This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. Today, the city of Hamilton finds out that it has been made a semifinalist in the Intelligent Community Forum, Intelligent Communities of the Year competition. I guess it's a competition. We are... Well, this apparently says that we are one of those cities that is using technology and development and um, advocacy and everything else. We're working all this stuff together to become a connected, intelligent community. It is a little confusing, and I don't know that everybody completely understands exactly what this means. So who better to bring in here? than the man who would know better than anyone, Mayor Fred Eisenberger. I think this is his third time on the show in two weeks, which we're delighted to have him. I'm going to now introduce him as my co-host, Mayor Fred Eisenberger. Uh, How are you? Great. A lot better to have you on today, to be honest, than talking, sadly, about former Mayor Bob Morrow. Glad we could do that. But this is a more upbeat story for sure today. Can you please explain to people, including myself, what this, is it a competition, first of all? We didn't enter this. We were just named into this to originally, correct? No, 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 no. we did enter it. We did so enter. We, okay, uh, so it is a competition. There, there, is, a, there is a robust uh, application process and uh, and interview and analytic process that they go through. There's some 300 uh, municipalities across the world have uh, applied into this, and uh, and we are, you know, one of seven uh, identified as the top seven uh, worldwide. So it is uh, quite uh, quite a uh, distinctive honor. And we uh, previously had applied and uh, were, were put in the top 21 category. And so we're, we're moving up, and obviously we're uh, per- pursuing number one. Uh, but, but more importantly, we're pursuing the, the foundations of what uh, this intelligent community is all about, which is our digital capacity, our ability to, uh, to collaborate and partner with all of our major institutions, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the kind of research and innovation that's happening in our community, both at McMaster Park, at Mohawk, at other institutions, uh, the, the city lab that we've developed here uh, in the old uh, Football Hall of Fame that brings in uh, graduate and postgraduate students from McMaster, Mohawk, and Redeemer to look at some of our more challenging problems and see if they can come up with uh, either digital or, or electronic and use all of the data that's out there to come up with some alternative solutions that we may not have thought of otherwise. So it's that kind of uh, innovation that uh, that is uh, part of uh, the, the assessment process, but also about how do you collaborate, how do you partner, and in the city of Hamilton today, we are collaborating with all of our major institutions. We're on the, on the same path. We're, we're um, sharing uh, data and information, and, and we're learning from one another where the gaps are, and we're trying to fill those gaps collectively. And that, uh, that is part of the, their, the innovation ICF's assessment process as to, in terms of how you innovate. So all of that matters. We're also moving forward on, on sharing more digital data and information uh, online. And uh, just recently, we uh, we uh, we uh, let out an app that uh, gives people more current uh, information, allows people to connect to uh, the city's services uh, from their mobile phone as opposed to from a from a website, which is make, making it even more convenient. So all of those things add up to our digital capacity, uh, our our growth in broadband. Uh, how many data centers do we have, and how are we utilizing all that information to make ourselves more? Uh, a better city going forward. Well, first of all, thank you for that app because now I'm not going to shovel my driveway and then have the snowplow come by and fill it all right back in like happens every time. I'm now going to plan it better when I know the snowplow is coming. So thank you for that, first of all. But back to this. Um, 
so the, the idea is this is a practical competition as opposed to just a theoretical thing. And, I, and theoretical will be fine, but we're not just talking about how we could potentially be using this stuff. We're actually talking about we are using these connections and these digital growth areas. Yeah. It's all about what we're doing, not what we aspire to, but where we are. And, uh, and you know, obviously what, we, what we're aspiring to is to continue to improve, continuous improvement at all those areas. Uh, but uh, we, we've, we've made uh, significant progress in the, in, in the last few years. We've had a, an intelligent communities forum uh, that uh, the mayor's intelligent community forum pulled together that really brought in uh, all of our major players like McMaster and Mohawk, uh, the uh, some some of their uh, you know, pr- digital providers like uh, Kojiko and uh, Clear Cables and our own HCE Telecom, uh, all of them sitting at the table, uh, you know, talking about how do we how do we increase our capacity, how do we increase our partnership and innovation. G- getting getting this designation is 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 a, is a plus uh, because we we really basically compiled everything that we're doing and. And, you know, answered their their questions in terms of what uh, what what they're looking for in terms of uh, acknowledging and analyzing what we're doing. But the, the 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 beauty and the and the bigger win is what we're actually doing and what we're achieving and how it's making our communities more interactive and more and better and more connected and uh, and more open and transparent. All of that is uh, is a the the real win in all of this. Well, speak since we're talking in practical terms. How is this helping us? How I don't know if you can give an example. I don't know if that's too specific, but how is this actually, in practical terms, making the city of Hamilton better? Well, as I mentioned, uh, we're you know our digital capacity, our ability to uh, create apps and uh, and, and share information uh, uh, more on a, a real time basis is is one area. Uh, we're looking at, uh, again. I mentioned the Redeemer. And um, Mohawk and McMaster and the research that they're doing there that uh, that helps inform our decision making going forward. All the work that's happened in McMaster Innovation Park, I and mean, we have uh, biomedical science uh, research, we have automotive research going on there. We have uh, all of that employs people and it employs research, but all of it leading towards uh, potential product production down the road that can be made right here in Hamilton. Uh, the research that's going in, uh, on at uh, the general in, in terms of uh, the stroke and the heart and stroke uh, health uh, is uh, renowned research that, uh, that's research that's uh, uh, recognized around the world and could lead to other uh, you know, pharmaceuticals and products and, and health uh, practices that uh, can help our community and, the, and the, 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 the well-being of our citizens. I mean, all of that adds up. So none of it is uh, is uh, you know pie in the sky stuff. These are all real initiatives that uh, are going to be making a real difference in how our community prospers and grows. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show weeknights from six to eight only on 900 CHML. We continue our conversation with the mayor of Hamilton, Mayor Fred Eisenberger, about Hamilton landing in the top seven in the semifinals of the Intelligent Communities of 2018 competition. And Mr. Mayor, I'm wondering, we've done so well in this now, we've moved into the top seven, we've never been here before. Does this suggest that we, are, we weren't doing as well at this before, that we're doing better, or that we just weren't noticed for this before? Uh, I, I think they, the, the whole uh, you know, reason that I got into this in the first place is to actually compile where we are. And so uh, what, we, we, what we discovered a couple of years ago is that we're doing pretty well. Uh, we manage out of uh, you know to, to once we compiled all the evidence and the the issues that uh, 
makes for an intelligent community. We landed in the top 21 first time out. So I would say uh, we're, we, we've been doing quite well, uh, and we want to do better. And uh, I think this year, this is now two years later, uh, is an indicator that we have made significant improvements marching down this line, uh, increasing our digital capacity, working on partnerships and collaboration, uh, and, and it's showing results in terms of development and other things that uh, that we've now been recognized as being in the top seven, and we're looking for number one. Uh, but, you know, it, the designation is only part of the story. Uh, the real part of the story is what is it we're doing that makes us intelligent and, and, and why is it important going forward? And that, that really is the more important part. This is just an affirmation that we're on the right path. That affirmation, though, I do have to think that it does mean something beyond. You've discussed how this is actually helping us tangibly, but... Hamilton is still, I think, you, you may disagree, but I think is still working on changing its reputation around the rest of the country as just steel town into a center that does medical and does university and higher education and all those things. This certainly, I would think, somehow has to help with that reputation across this country. So I will disagree with you that uh, I think that rep- reputation has changed uh, significantly. So there may be areas where people still have this uh, you know, vision of Hamilton, but I think by when I travel across the country and other places, I hear great stuff's going on in Hamilton. What's happening? How are you making that happen? So I, I hear nothing but positive, and people are getting the message that uh, Hamilton's on the move. Now, having said that, we, we are going to use this designation to c- continue to bolster uh, our economic development and uh, our opportunity to uh, attract companies to come here because we have great digital capacity and we have moved forward on collaboration and we are open for business. All of those things are going to matter for companies that are looking to uh, invest in a, in a community that uh, that is on the move. And uh, we need, uh, you know, more future employment. And so that's one of our biggest, uh, you know, forward-moving issues. And we're going to use this designation to help bolster our economic development drive. And if we hit number one, uh, that is, that is uh, you know, like hitting, hitting gold. Uh, that, that we can use to, uh, to really, really expand our, our uh, reach and uh, attractiveness to other investors uh, in the same way that other communities have. And so I, I think of other past uh, winners of number one, Eindhoven Holland was one. Uh, they became a, a, a research hub, a, an innovation hub. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, became a number one uh, winner and used that to expand on what they were already doing. Kitchener-Waterloo, uh, a number of years ago, was uh, designated as number one. They did exactly the same thing. So we're going we're gonna to use this to help change the uh, people's perception of Hamilton, for sure. And I think that uh, a lot of that's been done already, but certainly in, in areas where it needs to be bolstered, we'll do that. And we're going to use these designations to help uh, grow our economic base and attract more investment in companies to come here to Hamilton to provide employment. Last thing, though, you just touched on it. This thing, this this competition, while some people may not know much about it, it does, by the sounds of it, carry weight. If you do end up winning, this is something you can use to sell the community to companies, to businesses, whatever else. It absolutely is. Uh, it is, uh, it is uh, in, internationally recognized as a significant uh, achievement uh, if you get to, to the top 21, top 7, and top 1. I mean, uh, all of them are recognized as being uh, significant achievements, and uh, it, is, uh, it is promoted and advertised globally, and that certainly uh, is, uh, is advertising you can't buy. And so, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're quite keen on this. Uh, you know what? 
Uh, uh, for me, it started when I was the, at the Canadian Urban Institute. One of my uh, board members was a principal in the, uh, in, uh, the Intelligent Communities Foundation. And uh, when I got back as mayor, I said, well, are we indeed an intelligent community? Tell us, tell us what that is, and, and, and then staff, tell us what we're doing to actually measure up. And that's when we really started to uh, compile what makes for an intelligent community, what, what is it uh, about Hamilton that is moving us in the right direction. And then we went into the application process, and, and, and it was confirmed that we were, at that point, top 21 and now top 7. So I'm, I'm delighted. I think our staff have worked uh, very hard on this uh, to do the things that we need to do to improve our community. And, uh, and, and compiling that and putting that into an application form just confirms the good work that we're doing. And I, I commend our staff and all of the partners that were involved in this. Uh, they did a terrific job, and we're going to keep going. Mayor Fred Eisenberger, really appreciate the time. Look forward to chatting a couple times at least next week, I'm sure, on the show here. Yes. This, this is the new habit. So uh, thanks for the... What? Monster Truck was uh, was uh, highlighted in our unstoppable, unstoppable video. I don't That's know if true. you've seen this. Yes, that video, is true. But, uh, they did some really good stuff there, and uh, we wish them well. One of our favorite uh, Hamilton bands, for sure. Mayor Fred Eisenberger, thanks for the time. Thanks, Scott. Uh, just as a wrap-up, by the way, for this, the other com- the other cities that are in the mix, Chai City, Taiwan, Espoo, Finland, Ipswich, Queensland, Australia, Tainan City, Taiwan, Taiyun, Taiwan, and Winnipeg, Canada. Those are the finalists, along with Hamilton. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 6 to 8, only on 900 CHML. My next guest is someone who, I don't know if he's ever booked the Eagles, but during his time in Hamilton, he brought in people like Paul McCartney. That was a good concert. Garth Brooks. I think he had Garth Brooks here for about 72 different shows, that one streak. Five, seven, okay, five, whatever. It's close enough. Uh, many, many other bands and groups. Uh, Scott Warren was the former general manager of Spectra, who was running Cops Coliseum, First Ontario Centre. He is now involved with the Carmen's Group bid to run the three Hamilton downtown entertainment facilities. Uh, Mr. Warren, welcome back to Public Life. <laughs> good to be here. How are you, sir? I'm I'm great. It's good to hear your voice. You sort of you suddenly there was a note that Scott Warren is no longer with Spectra, and you poof, you vanished, and we didn't know whatever happened I, to you. Now we know. Now we know. I am uh, I am alive and well. You know, it's 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 a uh, quite frankly, it is a, a testament to Hamilton. Uh, you know, I was. Uh, you know, my company that I was with had uh, had offered me an opportunity to get back to the states, and um, and I chose instead to uh, to stay where I'm planted and stay here uh, in Hamilton and uh, and and focus on uh, other opportunities. And uh, so I, I I love this city and, and decided to stay. Well, that is, and that leads to an interesting conversation because you became, I don't know whether before or after, but you became involved now with the Mercantes and with Carmen's group and with this idea that we learned about last week that they would like to manage, oversee, take control of, I'm not sure what the right verb is, the downtown facilities that are currently being looked after by Spectra. And I'm wondering when you look at this and when this proposal comes forward, what is the reason behind it what would this do for the city what would be the benefit to hamilton if the carmen's right. group as opposed to spectra now was to be in charge well you know this really isn't about spectra at all it's really about um what the carmen's group and i are focused on for the future of hamilton and its entertainment venues and the city as a whole so it's really more about that it was really i guess if you say triggered it was triggered by uh 
really a number of different things. You know, we had that, as you, you recall, an arena renovation study that was done um, and uh, gave us some ideas on, on what needed to be done in the facilities to really uh, contemporize them, I guess. Um, and, uh, and then uh, we had uh, Councillor Sam Rula's motion talking about let's focus on the private sector as it relates to these venues. Uh, we had, uh, you know, obviously, the, the, the contract or the management agreements for these venues are, are up for renewal this year. Um, and, and I happen to become a free agent, so to speak. And so when you have all of these elements kind of coming together at the same, relatively same time, um, and you've got Carmen's group, who you know very well, uh, lives and breathes Hamilton. Like the, the, the McCarthy family and the Carmen's group love this city. Um, and, and they really, you know, thought that this is just the perfect, uh, you know, serendipitous, you know, group of, of, of events that were happening. Uh, and then when I became available, it sort of was like, oh, yeah, okay, this makes sense now. Uh, we feel like there's a real opportunity here for a, uh, you know, a local focus on, on this city uh, because no one's going to be as passionate about this city as the people that, that, that live in it, right? So, um, so it was just one of those things where, we felt like it was a great opportunity to uh, to uh, not only manage the venues. The, ma- the management of the venues is one piece of this puzzle. Managing the venues is a short-term, uh, you know, strategy. I guess it's really uh, a long-term view. And so this is talking about uh, really private development, uh, not only the needs of a renovated or new arena, but also a, a larger and new convention center and also just development in the downtown core in general. So there's a lot of things happening here, not just venue management. Okay, before we get to the building and the, the possibilities of future down the road, my understanding, at least part of, if not most of what your role would be, to, would be to do what you did before. Would you be the guy who is tasked with making sure the buildings were full and people were coming here? Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, it's still, as you know, I've, I've ran the buildings for the past five years, um, and... You know, the things that you see, whether it's the, the booking, uh, the focus on a guest experience, the, all of those things were things that I led. Um, and so I would continue to lead them. I've been in the industry for 28 years. I've got great relationships and contacts in the industry with the various promoters that come in, whether it's Live Nation, AEG, uh, Just for Laughs, with the comedy shows, and so much more. You know, that's already there. And so I, and I know those buildings like the back of my hand. So, so that... Uh, having me at the helm still of those venues is what would continue to be the case and continue to uh, you know, bring uh, the live uh, entertainment into the venues. In fact, most of what you'll see in 2018 is stuff that I booked in 2017. But so can you, you know, Scott, some... but can you, sort of jump in, but when you don't have, right before this, you had Spectra behind your name, and that's a huge company that has connections and buildings all over. Can you have the same oomph when you go to contact the promoters and everything else if you're more of an independent absolutely in fact you know in this industry the relationships are individual so um you know in terms of the booking of the venues uh it was my responsibility to book the venues uh and so i'm talking to the promoters in la new york nashville i'm the one bringing all the content into the venues so uh, um you know again this is less about uh Spectra and, and more focused on the future, but what you've seen in the last five years in terms of booking, I've done that, and so I would just bring the same thing to the table as we continue on in, in uh, you know, with this new endeavor. 
You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8. Only on 900 CHML. Carrying on our conversation with Scott Warren, part of the Carmen's Group that is interested in managing and rebuilding and expanding the entertainment facilities in the downtown. And, and Scott, you mentioned that ultimately the plan would be to probably get newer, better, or rebuilt somehow, some new facilities. Do those plans exist yet or is it just the vision right now that exists how far along is this well i think you know the arena study that was done the the arena renovation study that was done is a great footprint in terms of uh, uh, giving us some insight as to what needs to be done or what can be done through bbb architects that, that put that together um in terms of the existing arena right first ontario center so that is there there is uh things that can be done internally for that facility that can really renovate it and, and make it brand new, add modern amenities, and really make it an incredibly new facility. Um, but obviously there's an opportunity uh, potentially as well to, to, to build from scratch, and, and um, you know, that is also uh, an option. So there are a lot of things on the table, uh, and we're just hoping to kind of get that, uh, that conversation started sooner than later. I don't know if this is your part of the whole project, but one of the, there's another person in town who has been talking publicly for some time now about wanting to do this. That's the owner of the Bulldogs, Michael Landlauer, who you know well. Right. Yep. Is the is the Carmen's group, as you understand it, as far as who is in it, is that a locked-in group? Or would you be looking to reach out to someone like that and say, look, you want to spend money, you want to help build a new arena, and you're willing to put your own money in, we'd love to have you on board. How does that work? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. We've certainly been in conversation. We've, we've had conversation with, with Michael. Uh, Michael is, 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 is such an important, as you know, just to the community, certain, uh, you know, in terms of the owner of the Bulldogs, the Bulldogs Foundation, everything they do. Michael obviously is, has had a desire for uh, a renovated arena or a new arena for some time. And, and, uh, and so our vision for the exact same thing aligns nicely with what he's looking to do. Uh, what we're looking to do is, is really focus on a, a private sector focused. Obviously, we'll need public sector involvement, but private sector focused um, build and, and, and discussion. And, and so, Michael would absolutely need to be at that table um, because it, it's his team, right? And uh, and so we would want to know exactly what he's looking for in a facility, um, so that we can uh, come together and say, okay, can we renovate this arena to meet what you're looking for? Or do we look at and explore uh, a new arena as well, uh, ideally in, in, the, in the core, um, that would help uh, him realize the vision that he has? You know, ultimately, all of, you know, we all want the same thing, right? We want the, we, we want the best possible fan experience, um, and, and we are right in alignment with Michael in terms of that. Uh, he's obviously aggressive in wanting to get, his, uh, uh, get this new arena built or, or get a, a facility uh, redone um, that matches what he envisions we need to sit down know exactly what he envisions so that we can help him get there how long has all this been in the works i mean do you were you at the start of this or did you come in part way through because i know the arena the thing you're talking about the jasper kajavsky study has been going on since i don't know when it was released last summer it was going on from before then but have the have the carmen's group have the mercantes been thinking and contemplating this for long 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 before that or is this more of a recent thing no, I think it, 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 it all came together around, uh, well, I mean, they had been focused on the downtown. As you know, they've moved their headquarters uh, to uh, City Center um, recently. 
brand new facility there, built, built uh, out an amazing office area there. Um, they're very focused on, on Hamilton. And so when you had, you know, obviously they've got, uh, they run the convention center. They've got uh, interest in, in a new convention center. Um, and so when that happened, when, when the arena renovation study came out, uh, that was great. That was good. They helped fund that, so they were they were certainly integral in that. Uh, but they, uh, you know, then we had Sam Rolla's motion. Um, you know, then then at some point, you know, and obviously he knows that the the facilities are up for renewal. Uh, so it's like, okay, now that he started thinking about that. From what I understand, then it was like, yeah, but what? How are we going to? How how would we do this? And then when I became a free agent, so to speak, uh, it was that that was like the last piece of his puzzle. So I got involved after. Uh, the end of the year after leaving uh, my former employer, and um, and and then that's when these conversations started, and uh, and then we're just like full steam ahead <laughs> because we we know that uh, we've got the ability and the the vision and the connections relationships with those that can also help us get this done. I only have 30 seconds, and I know the answer is going to take more than that, but let me throw this out there to start it, and we'll do this another time to continue. But Spectre recently threw out the idea of also incorporating into their mix Tim Hortons Field to do some events there. Would that be something that would be of interest to you? Because I'm sure they wouldn't let you take over Tim Hortons Field, but to use that as a venue for other events. Would that be something that would interest your group? Well, quite possibly. I I think, um, you know, you know the focus for Tim Hortons Field is the is the Thai Cats, and so they are, they are there to win football games. Period. So when you talk about practices and games, uh, and then you you maybe add you know a soccer team, like there's not a lot of uh, opportunity to drive additional events into that space. Uh, you can do some events. So you know we certainly have a conversation with the city about that if that's something that they uh, they were interested in, in in us taking a look at. Uh, but our focus right now is convention center and the entertainment venues uh, here in the core. Uh, the obviously first Ontario Center and first Ontario Concert Hall, and um, and the development around that in terms of an entertainment precinct. That's really our main focus at the moment. Scott Warren with the Carmen's Group, uh, the man who brought so many great acts here, and uh, we'll see if that happens again. But we'll Scott, we'll I'm sure we'll be discussing this before and maybe during that happens. Scott, thanks for the time today. You're very welcome. Thank you so much. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 6 to 8, only on 900 CHML. I apologize ahead of time for the story we're going to share now. It's not a funny story, but i got to tell you as I read it, I was laughing. There are going to be people who literally hate me for saying that, but you'll remember last week that we told you the story about the person who showed up at the airport with their... Therapy peacock. <laughs> now, people have therapy animals. This is a newish concept, I guess. I mean, I've known about therapy dogs for kids maybe with autism, or we have uh, dogs for blind people to help them. There's even deaf dogs now for people with hearing impairment. But this is kind of a newer thing that we're having this menagerie of animals being used for therapy. And for some reason, maybe because people are scared of flying, I guess, uh, these animals are showing up at airports a lot now with people demanding that they be able to fly with their therapy animal. So last week we had the therapy peacock, which they weren't allowed to take on the plane, not surprisingly, since peacocks are not small creatures and they're known to have a bad attitude (laughs) 
<laughs> you, you could just imagine how that flight would go if Phil the Peacock decided he was going to become enraged at 30,000 feet and started going on some sort of peacock rant, flapping around and everything. That would be an, not an enjoyable flight for people. There has also been stories, have been stories, which I read at the time, that there was a guy who somehow, I, how he was able to get clearance for this, brought his therapy Vietnamese pot-bellied pig <laughs> onto a plane, which proceeded to walk up and down the aisles, defecating everywhere, <laughs> which would be a truly unfortunate flying experience. You think having a crying baby next to you is rough. Have, have a 200-pound pig marching up and down the aisle pooping on your shoes. That's a bad flight. Well... We have the latest story of a therapy animal, and this one did not end well. (laughs) And again, I apologize for laughing. The story itself is not really funny. I don't know why I found this humorous. Again, my apologies. So a woman in Florida was about to go flying on uh, on an airline, obviously. I'm not going to say the name of the airline because I, I don't need to necessarily humiliate them. You can look it up if you really want to know. And she brought her therapy animal with her. Now, this was not a Vietnamese pot-bellied pig, and this was not a peacock. This was an understated animal. Uh, This was her emotional support rodent, (laughs) it was called. Yes, an emotional support rodent. It was her therapy pet dwarf hamster (laughs) that fit into her hand. But nonetheless, there is a policy apparently on this airline that you are not permitted to be bringing therapy animals unless it is established. It's unless it's one of the traditional therapy animals like a dog, let's say, or a, a seeing eye dog, something like that. Anyway, so she shows up at Miami airport, so goes the story. And the airline says, no, you can't bring your emotional support rodent on the flight with you. Well... Here's where the story goes sideways in a big hurry because she had traveled all the way to the airport. Her flight was about to leave. She couldn't miss her flight. But now what do you do with your emotional support rodent? What do you do with your therapy pet dwarf hamster? You're at the airport. I don't, I don't know if there was a cage. I'm not really sure what she thought she was supposed to do. Well, she's now saying she's going to be suing the airline which I suppose that's not a surprise because the story goes that what the airline staff person suggested she do because she couldn't take this on the flight and she couldn't go home without missing her flight, the airline employee apparently told her she needed to go into the washroom and flush the hamster down the toilet. (laughs) What a horrible idea, but she did. She had to make her flight, so she flushed her emotional support rodent down the toilet and then not surprisingly, was traumatized by this and had a horrible flight and now is going to sue the airline. I I have a small suggestion. Perhaps not, if you can't, I don't want to be like cold, but if you can't fly by yourself, knowing that airlines are no longer allowing you to take livestock of any size onto an airline, probably drive, take the train, take a boat, Do something else because you're not getting these pets, these animals onto the plane, and now bad things are happening. Now we're flushing 
animals down the toilet so you can make your flight. I'm real. I'm 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 quite relieved, honestly, that the person who brought the peacock didn't try this same method. <laughs> that would have been a real fight in the washroom to get that peacock jammed down the toilet, and you know it would have clogged everything. <laughs> there would have been. You imagine trying to plunge a peacock down the toilet. That would have been a mess. A beautiful mess with the peacock all with its feathers unfurled, I'm sure. But what a horrible story. What a horrible, horrible story that someone had to flush their emotional support rodent. Anyway, you can read this if you need more details. Just if you're going to the airport and you've got an animal that you rely on for support, don't take it with you to the airport. They're not letting you take it on board. Find another method of travel because once you've flushed your emotional support animal down the toilet... Really, what do you have left other than trauma and regret and a long flight filled with tears? You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8. Only on 900 CHML. We know that tomorrow morning, everyone knows this by now, I hope, the Olympics begin. Amazing, the Olympics are already here. But tomorrow morning, 6 o'clock, bright and early, really early is the opening ceremony. Set your PVR if you don't want to get up. The opening ceremonies are tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock, and then things get going. Well, later tomorrow, I guess after the opening ceremonies are done, my two guests, my two next guests, will be jumping on a plane and heading to South Korea with other people from their family, maybe other friends, we'll find out. Both of them are first-time Olympic parents. First-time Olympic parents. That is very, very exciting. Roger Nurse has a daughter named Sarah Nurse, who is a forward on Canada's women's hockey team. And Doug Fast has a daughter. Her name is Renata. She is a defenseman on Canada's national women's hockey team. Both of their daughters have been on this show. Delighted to have Doug and Roger with us now. Guys, thanks for doing this tonight. Thanks for having us. Thanks for being here, Scott. Uh, congratulations, because this is, I mean, this is probably, well, especially in women's hockey, where there is no NHL, this is the dream, and this is really exciting. Roger, I'll go to you first, because I'll tell you why I'm going to Roger first, because his son plays for the Bulldogs as well and had a great game today. He was the best Bulldog on the ice in the school day game, scored a goal. So, Roger, because of that, you get to pull rank on Doug tonight. Um, where does this rank for you, though, when, when Sarah, when you're going to watch your daughter play in the Olympics, where does this rank for you as far as exciting moments? Well, you know, we've known now for about six weeks, so it's kind of been the, the high of knowing, and then you know, you kind of go through the lull of preparing, and now we've prepared, so now it's time to get ready to go. So now the excitement of going again is back. So, you know, I'm, I'm just thrilled because, you know, as I said, it, it, this, is, this is the women's highlight. This is their NHL, and to be at the top of that ladder is just fantastic for them. Doug, what about you? you you're, I mean, you're in the same position. The girls found out, the women found out the same day, so you've been waiting just the same amount of time. But w- when you're thinking about sitting in the stands and watching her play in the Olympics... What do you think about that? What what goes through your mind? Scott, I have my wife, uh, Sharon, here as well. <laughs> hey, Sharon. Uh, congratulations. Um, in, in terms of going uh, t- uh, to the Olympics, um, what, what's in the back of my mind is that, that these games are the most important women's hockey games in the world. And, uh, you know, the excitement is just overwhelming. That's all I can say. You were, Doug, we'll stay with you. You, um, the women, they found out, Renata and um, 
Renata and Sarah both found out again about six weeks ago. I they were on here the day that they found out or the day after. I can't remember. People can find that interview on the show at 900chml.com. If they go, they can find that interview. But I know how they found out because they told us. How Doug? How did you find out that she had made the team? Um, uh, Renata phoned Sharon first. What did she say to you, Sharon? She just said she made it. Yeah, <laughs> very emotional. It still is. <laughs> Um, and she was uh, like crying, and I was crying. <laughs> it was very uh, uh, emotional uh, day, that's for sure. <laughs> for in my case, uh, Scott, uh, I was at work, so uh, Renata talked to Sharon first, and then called me, and uh, she said she made it, and I just told her she deserved it. What's interesting, though, and there's a third local woman who's on this team, Laura Fortino, who this will be her second Olympics. She'd been through this before. Her parents had been through this before. Did you, you had hoped she was going to make the team. Did you allow yourself to expect that she was going to make the team or was there still an element of surprise or relief when she said that she was actually there? Is this for Roger or for Doug? No, for you still, Doug. I'll go to Roger in just one second. But for you, was there that, that sense of, was it relief or was there, had you allowed yourself to believe that this was going to happen? I, I believed it was going to happen because um, they, play, they played, uh, what was it called, Four Nations? Yep, Four Nations in, Cup. In uh, Tampa. And after that, the team, uh, Team Canada, started playing Renata in, in almost every game. And uh, you could see there was support for her. So I, I was starting to believe that she would make it, yes. Roger, I, I remember when Sarah told me that she was one of the very last people to go in to find out from the coach, and she had had to suffer through waiting for everyone else to go. Uh, I know it's not just the players that suffer. Mom and Dad suffer too. How did you find out that she'd made the team? Well, the day before she told us, her exit meeting was at 11.20, so we knew that was one twenty hour time. And actually, I was directing a Christmas musical, so I was getting ready to put 55 kids on a stage waiting for this phone call. And it came as I was about to go to get them, and I had to kind of delay everything. The whole school, all these parents are waiting. And I got the call, and it was like, okay, it's one thirty. So because it's one thirty, that means she just found out if she didn't make it, she'd have waited a little while to compose herself. So I'm thinking, okay, this is good. <laughs> this is a good thing. And uh, she told me, and it was, you know, it was one of the most exciting days because from there, you know, it, our, my Christmas music went great. Everything went great that day. <laughs> were you, but when that phone rings and you see that it's her number, is there a moment where you're just holding your breath? Because if she if she makes it, this is the greatest thing ever. If she doesn't, you are on the hook now to be dad, not just dad, but also psychologist, because you know there's going to be some work here. Yeah, you know your, your your heart's jumping, your heart's racing a little bit, and and again we you know we did go through this one time when she was going for U 18s and. You know, so we've been through we've been through this a little bit. Like, you know, she hasn't had one of those runs where she just made every team. She's had times where she didn't make a team or she wasn't invited to a camp. So we were kind of prepared for going through whatever happened and you know, we knew she'd had a great year. We know she's, you know, still got offered another opportunity four years from now. So you prepare yourself for both. Did was there an announcement made at the beginning of the Christmas concert? Well Did everyone in the school that, know? It, has, it hadn't been made public yet, so we really couldn't say anything, which is, which was hard. I bet. Which is, very, which is very hard. I bet it was. 
Uh, Doug, here this now it gets really interesting because now you find out Renata's going to be on the team. She's going to be playing in South Korea. Anyone who has ever traveled to South Korea understands that there are cheaper places to get to than Pyeongchang. This is not an inexpensive trip. I'm wondering if you and Sharon had been thinking about this ahead of time and budgeting and saying, okay, so if she makes it, here's what it's going to cost us and here's how we're going to do this. You know, for something as important as the Olympics, uh, yes, this is an expensive trip. There's no question about it. But the the expense is, is well worth it. And uh, it was Renata who, after I had booked uh, Sharon and myself to go, it was Renata who contacted us and said she wanted all her siblings to go as well. So uh, now uh, her her sister and her two brothers are going, as well as her boyfriend. Wow, and Renata's paying for all of this, I guess. Uh, not so much (laughs) you know uh, there was support from different groups for Renata directly what was the one group culture the can fund right and and Renata contributed that money to her siblings to help them Roger the other thing about this is uh, you guys have to get hotels you have to get tickets you all the parents have gear that they're all wearing in the stands when they show the video of all you guys the, the TV shows all of you whether it's a, a you obviously haven't been to the Olympics yet but you've seen that before do the parents get help with that does the either the Canadian Olympic Committee or Hockey Canada is there do do you get guidance about where to get tickets how to get tickets how to book a hotel discount on a hotel anything like that well, for the gear was the gear we go through the suppliers. Hockey Canada helps with that, so we do get discounts. So we're not paying what the regular person going to the bay would have to pay. That's one thing. Um, I know in the past, depending on the event, they Hockey Canada helps out. In this situation, Hockey Canada was trying to make a few things because it's a very difficult situation in this Olympics because they're centered in Pyeongchang, but we're in Ganyang, which is about forty minutes outside, and then. Most of the civil stuff is, oh, most of the things are going on in Seoul. So just trying to get the hotels and all that together. It was kind of, everybody was on their own, but Hockey Canada helped if you wanted to, if there's certain things they helped try to set up if you wanted to go there. But people wanted to do things differently on their own. So for example, we're staying in Ganyang, which is close to where the girls are playing. Is there a fraternity, Doug, of parents? Like, I, I don't even know if the two of you know each other. I don't know if you and Roger know each other well or if this trip is going to be a chance to get to know each other, but when the women make the team, is there a real tight bond or does that become that you expect once you've gone through this? I I think there's two sides of it. The parents are definitely, definitely have to stay in the background because this is the, uh, the team's event. Um, But the parents are all there in the background with tremendous amount of, of support Say after a game, the girls come up uh, and they're able to see the parents for 15 or 20 minutes. Uh, you know, almost all the parent groups and and the players break off to their own space and have their time together. It's it's not a big communal thing. But when we're in the stands, uh, I I think for the most part we're we're together as parents and supporting the team. And uh, since we're first time Olympians, uh, uh, Olympian parents. Um, we will be getting to know all, all the other parents. We we know uh, a handful of them already, but by the time this is finished and we're there for two weeks, it's. I think we're going to have a, a great group. Well, and you know what else? I mean, women's hockey, we all know the story of Canada and the U.S., and they are the class of the world, and so maybe there's not the same level of... Um 
I don't know how we'll describe this, band of brothers experience you go through with every single game because you're expected to win, and generally the Canadian women do. But, you know, it is, uh, I'm a parent. My dad watched me play. I watched my son play sports, not at this level, obviously. It is tough. It is, especially now I'm guessing at this level, Doug, it is tough to be sitting in the stands and essentially be helpless, and you're excited, but there's pressure on these women to perform, and as a parent, you've got to be living that a bit. Absolutely. Uh, it's actually uh, amazing. You know, at times, uh, you know, you sit there and, and uh, the pressure builds. In fact, my my Apple Watch alarms when my heart rate goes to 120. <laughs> How and often it, does it, that go off? It actually has a little message that says it's not detecting any motion, but my, my heart rate is high. <laughs> and uh, that's happened a few times <laughs> through these uh, Canadian-U.S. Uh, uh, women's hockey games. Roger, for you, do you, do you get nervous? Are you a nervous watcher in the stands? I try to put on a, a calm persona, but the truth is, yeah, inside, inside, I mean, my stomach is, is going all the time. I mean, I had to go through it today. You know, we were at the school day game. I've got 250 kids from my school. They're watching my son. So, you know, I saw on display, too, and when he scored, it's like, I want to jump, I want to get excited, but I'm trying to stay cool and calm inside. It's, it's a big challenge, but you know, there's times I let it out. There's times when you score, you scores a big goal, or Sarah scores a big goal. Team wins. You just let the emotion out, and yeah, but the, the, the butterflies are going all game. Because here's the thing, I, I remember watching, and people can go online now, and they can find these videos. Last Olympics in Sochi, when Laura Fortino set up the golden goal to Marie Philippe Poulain, you can go and watch on YouTube. There are dozens, hundreds maybe, of videos of places, bars, and schools and everywhere exploding with excitement. And that's the that's the dream for anybody, I'm sure, for any parent as well. But, you know, there's always the possibility that something goes the other way, that something might, someone might not win, that there's a mistake. That's got to be so difficult to, to, to be up there as the parent again, Doug, and to be helpless. Because you really, you can be a support and you can be as loving as you possibly can be, but it's out of your hands. It's out of your hands ultimately, and you can just be there to watch. It, it's true. We always take the positive approach. And with the Olympics, these a, a lot of this Olympics is one-off games. It's a one-off game yeah. scenario. So you're right. It can go uh, in any direction. But but truthfully, I think we can have a lot of confidence in the Canadian women's uh, hockey team. Uh, they're strong. Uh, and I think they're going to be uh, uh, good competitors. Uh, oh, absolutely, again, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean they, they've never have not been. They they have done very well at every single Olympics. All right, just before I let you go, uh, Doug, I'll stay with you for one second. Other than hockey, and I know as Roger explained, the hotel is a little ways away. But are there things on your schedule that you've written down that you say, oh, these are uh, not just hockey, other sports? Are there things that you've written down that you really want to see at the Olympics? Uh, we were. Um, I guess uh, a, a little surprise when we made an effort uh, during uh, to schedule our off day events that uh, almost all the events were sold out. Really? And uh, what we managed to get was what? Uh, yeah, we've got speed skating, which I've always wanted to see that. I think that's a powerful sport. And uh, we're hoping that we, maybe we can get some scalp tickets. Um, but uh, right now, it's just speed skating is our alternative. But then we're going to tour all around Korea and all the Olympic parks uh, and, and events. 
uh, and, and do our best to engage and embrace everything as much as possible. Roger, what about you? Is there something on your list that is a must-see? Oh, short track speed skating, uh, the Jamaican bobsled team, and the Nigerian <laughs> women's bobsled team. True. Those, are, those, for me, are, are just definitely things I have to see. But, I mean, I'm just a big fan of short track speed skating. And I've always told my kids, if you guys ever, like your hockey careers come to an end, you're all great skaters. Like, that's where you got to be. So, I just love that. Roger, when do you leave? Uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow as well. And, Doug, you were saying earlier today, you're, you're leaving tomorrow afternoon as well, correct? At uh, 1130 Air Canada. Wow. Well, have a wonderful flight. Have a wonderful time. We'll be watching your daughters for sure. Enjoy. By the way, please eat lots and lots and lots of kimchi while you're there. I told Roger this already. Eat lots of kimchi. Greatest food ever. I don't know if you like spicy food, but, man, Korea is... Primo place for food. Uh, gentlemen, wives, everybody, uh, your whole family, I hope you have a wonderful experience. And as I say, we'll be watching and cheering for your daughters, and uh, it's going to be great for the next couple of weeks. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Scott. Good night now. That is uh, Roger Nurse and Doug Fast, fathers of Sarah Nurse and Renata Fast, who are on Canada's national women's hockey team, you will be watching them. I have no doubt you will be watching them, especially, this is the amazing part to me, there's no NHL players, which I have said all along is going to be a boon to the women's team because I don't know how many people really are going to become invested in the men's team. People will watch. I don't know how many will be invested, though, but boy, oh boy, now that everybody knows the name of a lot of these girls and women, and I say girls, you know, some people are going to say, well, that's sexist. There are some who are really young, and I should correct that because I don't know if they're girls. I think there may be a couple 17-year-olds, but we'll, you know, we'll fix it. We'll say women. But there, there are some, there are many of them that are household, household names now that are well, more well-known than the men who are on the men's team in some cases. So they're going to be getting a ton of attention Renata Fast, Sarah Nurse, Laura Fortino, all from this area. The Scott Radley Show. The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML.